right, here we go. We are finally back in person together. It's been a long time. Always feels so good. We've been struggling. (laughs) (laughs) And we are, let's just get out of the way. We have a guest with us today. Yeah, wait, I've been working on an intro. Hold on, let me see. The first apple to fall from the family tree that was Cal and Wanda. Mr. No way, I was going to say Daniel. Dang it, I ruined it. Dale Sand. (laughs) (laughs) I was really drawn on all these old... See, because your mom cooked for us Years. in school. For, I mean, for long Ever. time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do the introduction because Jackson doesn't know who you are, obviously. <laughs> no, I had it all. I was like, I was going to do like the burning sand man that fell from the tree that was Cal and Wanda. And then it just, I thought about it too much. And if I think about it, anyway. This is why Jackson's having a hard time. Dale is older than Jackson and I, but Dale's younger brother, Daniel, and I started kindergarten together and graduated high school 12 years later together. Uh-huh. So. That's, That's why you want to say Daniel Sam. because gotcha. Dale's a little older yeah. than yeah. four years, roughly. So, so I guess yeah. maybe when we were in eighth grade, you were a senior, probably. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think that sounds about right. Uh-huh. So we're going to get into Dale's story a little bit. Dale's mother was the cook at school from, I think, kindergarten. Yep. Third, 12th yeah. grade for me and probably for every other kid in this town. Yeah, that's way 20 I mean, years younger. And myself as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's not many people around here that haven't been served many she, meals by your mama. Yeah. It's, she gets kudos everywhere in the state. People know her. I mean, she was well renowned, renowned for being part of the Montana School Food Service Association president for a while, even. Oh, really? She helped set everything up for school food. And then your pops, who I was always a little yeah. scared of your dad. <laughs> I, I don't know why. There's no reason to be because he's so nice. But. You know, he was kind of like, the, he was a school, he was the head, he was the head of the, the school. The intimidating janitor school bus. type. Yeah, 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 yeah. The bus driver, yeah. He, he was in charge of the buses and it was always, he just kind of had that look where you're like, ha! Yeah. <laughs> you know, just toe the line. But he never, he never really, he stayed pretty even keeled. Uh-huh. Except for, I can only think of one time. <laughs> was there a time? I gotta, I, I've never told you a story, Dale. I, There's lots of them. I've heard many. I don't know if I've heard this one yet. So, uh, I, I don't know what grade I was in. It might have been. It was somewhere between sixth and eighth grade, somewhere in there. I don't know. But anyway, Christmas time, you'd come into our cafeteria, you get in line and get your tray with your silverware. And there'd be a little window that you just kind of bring your tray across and get your food from the, the cooks. And at Christmas time, they would put uh, a string of lights around the window, Christmas lights. And I don't know if any of you, I don't know if the newer strings do this, but the old strings, if you took one bulb out, whole string oh, yeah. goes dead yep, yep. you know um it, it'll drive it'll drive you crazy if you keep trying to find which one bulb on your string is causing your light to not work i think the newer ones don't do that but anyway i had uh some reason i thought it was a clever trick when i went by to just grab one of those bulbs and turn the lights out on the, <laughs> on the whole thing on the whole thing and little did i know that your dad was the one who was in charge of those lights oh boy you <laughs> <laughs> know um, <laughs> And he's the type of guy a little thing creates big things. <laughs> oh, so we, um, I think it was about my third day in a row pulling the light out. And we're all just in the cafeteria and everyone eating. And, and your dad erupted. Like who took oh, who, like the whole, the whole cafeteria, cafeteria who did this? Kids. He wanted everybody's attention. Everyone's attention. And he said, no one's leaving until, and, and you, you know, you eat as fast as you can so you can go out to recess. <laughs> and he barred the door. And so, um, and so it was like, he was booming. 
just barking and I on. There's no way, no way, no way I'm admitting it now because because he was so hot. I didn't know. I didn't know what. I didn't know what the outcome would be. So I. So no one ever did admit, did, or did someone finally sacrifice and say it was me? Someone, it wasn't someone went up and anonymously said they were pretty sure it was me. <laughs> but when it um when he when your dad first started booming, I snuck the bulb out of my pocket and put it into my milk carton container. Oh my gosh! Because there's no way it's going to be found now. <laughs> right. And then as we're sitting there, and no one can leave. We are allowed to go empty our trays into the garbage. So I, so I was able to uh, dispose of the light bulb and get it off my person. No evidence by uh, by sneaking it in the milk carton into the garbage. And someone um, someone I don't know who it was to this day said they were, they thought it might be me. So you're probably the reason that I always had this little fear because I always felt like he was kind of giving me the eye. But it's probably because. They, I I went up and said, oh, well, I don't know. I pulled, I started pulling my pockets out. Saying, I you ought to try and go to school having both parents work there. Yeah, you probably didn't. Get I it. didn't have a chance. No, but there was one story. Alex Giles, you guys know Alex well. <laughs> yeah, pretty good friends through school. We wrestled grade school all the way through high school. So I don't know if you remember, he bought the GTO. He had the '69 oh, yes. GTO, yep, the blue um, one. Yeah, him and I went to Haver to pick that up together. All right, so it's a hot rod. No, well, I had a fancy lifted up pickup, a hot rod. We decided we were going to drag race in front of school side by side from the north end by the bus barn all the way to the grade school where they have the big dip by the baseball field there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's a dip too. <laughs> right? That's a dip, man. <laughs> so we're, you know, everybody's out there. It's like the old That's three grease, blocks. In the three blocks? Movie. One, two, yeah. Three. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, three blocks. Dip. Mm-hmm. Like the old grease movie. You know, you got high school kids out there <laughs> standing along the side and we're revving up motors and whatnot and we're gearheads and so... uh we take off and we're scooting along the first two blocks. Well, the grade school flagpole is at like block number two, right? Yeah. Well, this is after football practice, about 530-ish. What's the janitor do? He takes the flag down at the grade school at 530 in the afternoon. Oh. <laughs> As he's car and his pickup are speeding by in small town Fairfield, my dad taking the flag down, doesn't wave, look at nothing, just continues to take the flag down. We hit the dip at the other end and we kind of stop and look at each other and we're like, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I never got scolded once after school from dad or anything that, that day. My boy went home for dinner that night and dad sat down for dinner and asked me if I had anything to tell my mom. That's that, how he brought it up. And that's how we brought it up. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I walked to school for a little while after that. <laughs> my truck was parked. <laughs> got impounded. Huh? Oh man. So yeah, it, it was pretty tough to do much without being uh, busted. <laughs> yeah, you, you couldn't get away with nothing. They knew. Hey, they, they knew before they knew I did it. All. Uh, that's yeah. good. See, and for me, it's funny because, you know, we moved away in 06, you know, okay. to Lewistown. So, you know, he, he drove bus and all that to a lot of track meets and things oh, yeah. and whatnot. And then uh, we go away and I come back. Uh, first time I kind of come back and see your dad was probably four or five years ago. Because now he helps Pearson's yes, on their harvest crew, yeah, yeah. runs a combine. And so I see him at harvest and he's all jolly jumper. <laughs> oh, and I'm like, what? Usually guys get a little curmudgeon in their old age. It seems like your dad has gotten more friendly. He's probably always was this friendly. It was just in my, you know, my, 
<laughs> my young age you head just had thinking, the look. <laughs> yeah, I had the look, but I was like, this, so this was, this is the true guy that all these years I was scared of. Oh, so. I don't think it was all in your head. Wouldn't you be that way if you spent years and years and years with that's true with high school students? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably like, get real. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, we got Dale on here. Dale does some trucking around the area, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But uh, I think his some of his other background that he's done for a lot of his. And how long were you with JD? Twenty years almost. I started there September of ninety six. Okay, so. GID stands for Greenfield Irrigation District, and, and you've heard us talk in, in the past about all the farming that goes on in this area. Uh, Fairfield, Montana has got this huge irrigation project called Greenfield Irrigation, and so all the, all the farmers in this area are pretty much getting their water to irrigate yep. through this irrigation project, and so there is a, an organization. As we've talked about the, the, the power of the three-letter yeah, agencies, right. <laughs> boom, boom, you know, GID. Yeah. That's another one. There's I some know. farmers who probably would call think, the GID some lately, kind of a government. I think there's some fireworks there. Again. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's some acronyms that GID stand for. Um, anyway, so <laughs> it's I, usually GID is followed with WT, you know, going, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Um, west of us, how far is it up there to Gibson? Uh, 50 miles? Yeah. It's about a 50, 60 mile drive, about so an hour. There's a, there was a, a big dam put up in the mountains and, and that's where the water comes down to irrigate this area. Do you know a lot of history, JD? I know a fair amount. It's, uh, well, hundred years old. Um, it was about 1920, I think is when it kind of went into inception, I guess, you know, Bureau of Reclamation Project. I think there might have been a little bit before that. They'd created the Diversion Dam first. You guys are familiar with Diversion Dam. Yeah. That was the first, just a diversion to divert it out of the Sun River, send it a couple different directions. You know, we can either route it over to Willow Creek or it can go to Pishkin or it stays down the Sun River, basically. Okay. When it diverts to Willow Creek, it goes through the elk pasture, what we've, we call as locals, the elk pasture, and comes out in Willow Creek Reservoir. And then holds it there when the Sun River gets low enough, say late summer, and there's not enough flow down the Sun River, we need to supplement the Sun River with that water that we previously put in Willow Creek to keep those minimal flows going downstream, mm. Fort Shaw, Sims, that direction, because everything else is being pulled to go over to the project via Pishkin Reservoir. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know Willow Creek was for strictly for the, for well, river. Just for the yep. river. There's a canal at the outlet works of Willow Creek that goes around and dumps it and feeds it right back into the Sun River. Huh. Okay. So there's just that little window from Diversion Dam to Sun River that you're going to have pretty minimal flows during the summer, but there's nothing being pulled out of it. So there's not a lot of going on there. Okay. But that's, huh. that's how that works. And the Sun River it dumps into the Missouri River right in Great Falls. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So um, Fort Shaw Irrigation District pulls out of the Sun River downstream as well as Broken Oak Ranch. They both have high priority water rights on them. So another aspect is when they're pulling really hard on water, GID can't supply enough through Gibson and the Sun River to keep enough in the Sun River. So we supplement the Sun River with the Willow Creek Reservoir water and that storage capacity to supply their water as well. Oh, okay. So they call us, hey, we need to kick a little more out of Willow Creek keep you guys going and that way we can min uh, maximize our use out of Pishkin maximize the use for them out of Willow Creek so there's 
probably if you and I didn't realize this that GID and then the Fort Shaw. There's li- probably a little bit of friction there at times. Oh, absolutely. Saying we need water and yep, yep. GID's probably going well. So do we. Yep. They're all kind of sister projects. Uh-huh. You know, the Sun River project basically encompasses Broken Oak, Fort Shaw, Fairfield, all of that, um, all the way down the thing, the the line. And uh, originally, when Greenfield Irrigation was being designed and built, it was designed and proposed to go clear over to Benton Lake Reservoir and dump into the Missouri clear over there by Carter and go all the way across that. But dry land farmers were like, no, we're not into that. We don't want to do that. And so they cut it off at the east end of the bench and the rest is history. I bet now they wish they'd let it go that direction. They would all been putting pivots along the way. in reality, there's (laughs) no physical possible way that we have enough water to do that. Yeah. The structures, the infrastructure is not large enough to even think about it. Mm. So, so then the Pishkin Reservoir is where all the water that we get here on Fairfield Fairfield. comes Fairfield. And so there is a, there's a huge amount of canals and ditches all over the Fairfield area that, that takes water everywhere. And let me tie in, let me just tie in real quick. For those of you that have listened to these episodes, Weston and I, when we did our little chronicles, Weston told a story about taking a pickup load of cattle to Pishkin Reservoir, where the road got squirmy and, Mm. you know, things got dicey and dad jackknifed in the gooseneck. And they were taking cattle to this Pishkin Reservoir where GID allows water users to to put a few head of cows every year. Bureau of Reclamation Pastures. Okay. So it's all kind of, this is kind of how it all ties back in. You'll remember this isn't totally out of the blue. Yeah. yeah. For those of you that are listening. So is this project here in Fairfield, what's the sign say? 80,000 acres? Is that how many acres? 83,000 acres, give or take a few is, is the documented amount that they go go by okay uh-huh. and that's just the greenfield irrigation project i think fort shaw's uh, i'm not sure, exactly sure i want to say it's somewhere around maybe twenty thousand. i'm not a positive I was gonna say maybe a third or so yeah yeah quite here. a bit substantially smaller okay and so all the this this big infrastructure of canals and ditches that runs all over this whole area is delivering water to the farmer's fields yes correct and so Greenfield Irrigation District, GID again, has a, a number of job positions. Yes. The ones that m- the average farmer deals with the most is what's called a ditch rider. Correct. Yep. And that's, that's where I started out back in 96. Um, I, previous to that, I graduated high school in 92. Let's just back up a little bit. 92, I went to school in Haver for a year. For, I wanted to, thought maybe I'd be a shop teacher, auto mechanic teacher. Um, Made it one semester, came back to work at Mills, worked for Kim Mills. You guys know Kim probably. Which is the local Ford dealership. Ford dealership. Worked for him for four years and um, GID offered me a position over there, kind of ditch rider slash mechanic. And the rest is history. And I worked my way up through the ranks from ditch rider to canal maintenance slash mechanic to basically the last spot i held was watermaster which oversees we're, we're going to get to all those positions yeah so what what's the main job of the ditch rider main job of the ditch rider is to convey the water through his sublaterals to the farmers the sublaterals meaning the smaller ditches that go to your the landowner's actual fields and make a delivery an accurate delivery of that water upon the order that the landowner put in to supply him with the the amount that he is entitled to so to put that in real easy terms if dale was the ditch rider for my field 
I'd call Dale and say, Dale, I need this much water on this day. And Dale needs to figure out how to get it to my field. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and um, then, and farmers, when it's the peak of the season, hot and they need their water, there's a little pressure on the ditch riders. It's stressful. Yeah, oh, I bet. <laughs> and I'll tell my a funny little ditch rider thing that, that now I realize as I got older, I realized like, oh. Well, and here's the funny thing about, <laughs> about ditch riders. I would argue it's one of the more high pressure positions for GID in the fact that you're dealing with angry farmers. Always. Always angry. And it's all it's almost the entry level position at GID. So yes. <laughs> like, none of the go. people who really know what's going on are dealing with <laughs> yeah. all that. And your your biggest complaint, the farmer's biggest complaints is it's always that they want more water. So the ditch rider would turn in, you know, say they turn in a foot of water and it would come down the ditch and you're just not getting the water to push out and cover your crops. The farmer wants more water at the head. So they'll call the ditch rider, you know, and be like, hey. I, I I can't get this water to push to the bottom of my field. I need another six inches on that head. You know, I need a foot and a half or, and they'd be like, we're on rations right now. And that's all you're going to get. So, and that's, this is where the ditch rider gets stuck. But as a young irrigator back in the day, I remember not having, and the hardest fields to irrigate were always alfalfa fields because yes. the barley fields get fresh ditches cut every year. It's all fresh. And they have drill rows. Yeah, 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 and it kind of flows. <laughs> the bar, the alfalfa, it's old ditches that are full of you know growth and 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 you know foliage and and so it's hard to get the water to push. So, you know, say if a, if a foot and a half head was a really strong head to irrigate barley with, you put that in a hayfield and it's like it's it's not great. No. So when I'd get a little, I remember here at our place, you know, doing I'm probably in sixth grade, you know, doing stuff here for dad. And thinking, I ain't got enough water. So I went up the line along the cemetery road, <laughs> turned the thing a little more. Little did I know that it didn't change anything <laughs> because the water came from the canal. It was just going, it was just the first head gate that in sixth grade, I was like, I'm going I'm to turn it up a little bit. That's interesting <laughs> that he says that because I was the ditch rider at that time for his dad. <laughs> Were you ever, do you ever remember being like, Huh, this is it really didn't matter because it was more. going to the golf course. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I thought I was really, really doing some outlaw maneuvers. And in my head, I was like, I got more water <laughs> at the feedlot. It, yeah. it wasn't any more water. Yeah. No, the, the, the bottleneck at the feedlot is the culvert there at Bobby Garner's right, driveway. Right there. <laughs> yep. I always, I always, I remember growing up hearing the word ditch rider. I never un really understood what it was. Just too young, but just the name ditch rider. It's like, it's like yeah. night rider. It's way overrated. It just sounds like a really cool, but it, it, it makes sense. So you're just out riding along all these ditches. Mm. Yeah. Now, real quick, if something comes to mind, did you, because I know when I started working for Bill Pearson, I remember some times where, Farmer to farmer, guys that shared, you know, a ditch. There, there's some tension. There's a lot of tension, even between farmers. So, did you ever, do you ever have any sketchy things that came to mind where you thought, I think this farmer is going to try to put a whooping on me? Absolutely, you did. I've been threatened multiple times. Really? Oh yes. <laughs> By multiple landowners on multiple divisions. It wasn't just like one guy the out there. Oh, You're no, like this guy, not. that guy, that guy. You know, it's oh no, it's very. <laughs> Well, it's very, it, it's very political, in a but in a in a weird, a different weird way. Very, very awkward sometimes. It's well, a, and here you are. I mean, we're all locals to the community, oh, yeah. so it's like summer's over. Huh? You see him at, on the, you know, at a game or something, and they're like, "Hey, man!" And you're like, 
Last time I talked to you, you were going to beat me over the head with a shovel. It's funny you bring that up because <laughs> from about May till September, they want to kind of be your best friend and, you know, but you know, are we'll, we'll flip you a dollar bill under the table, get me a little extra water type scenario. But once water's shut off, they don't know who you are. <laughs> they have nothing to do with you. Who are you? I don't need you. You're like, but it's me. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah. And, and when we're talking about extra water, you are allowed a certain amount of water based on how many acreages you own or lease. Correct. And so, so you're always wanting more water than you might be allowed. But would you say center pivots have eliminated a lot of the old flood irrigating problems? Because uh, it's a funny more you bring that up because I've been curious about this. So this is my take on it. And I've done a lot of research on this. Before you get into that, let yeah. me to listeners, because we're going to have some listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. This area where we're at, again, all the, the crops, when Jackson and I were growing up, almost exclusively was flood irrigated, meaning you, you run ditches through your fields, you put a tarp dam in the ditch to dam up the water and you cut out the side of the ditch and let water flow out the ditch until it won't run anymore than you let the water go further down the ditch, put another dam in. So mm -hmm. you're, you're literally flooding your field. Yep. Now there's hardly any flood irrigating I see around here. It's every field has a center pivot, which if you've been in an airplane and look down over mm -hmm. land, you'll look down and see like what looks like perfect circles under your airplane. And what happens is you have a, uh, a giant sprinkler essentially that has a pivot point and it will just spin in a circle and irrigate these fields. And so they're much more efficient. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you an example of efficiency. When before I put a pivot in on our property here, before that, when we were flood irrigating it, flood irrigating it, I think we needed about five feet of water to push the water across the field. Now, when I irrigate it, I need a foot and a half of water. Huge, huge decrease in the amount of water, which means, well, you'd think it means it's more efficient, but. I don't know, Dale, is it? I, this is what I'm curious about because I, I, it probably initially is, but I feel when like maybe they started, use them more. Yeah. When they first started getting incorporating pivots on the project, it did increase the efficiency. Well, we've, we've tipped the scales now because there's so many pivots. Like you said, everything is sprinkler irrigated for the most part. I want to say we did some math and I want to say it's somewhere between 60 to 75% of this project is sprinkler irrigated, whether it be wheel lines, center pivots, of course. And with that being said, everybody turns their sprinklers on on a hot, dry summer, right? Beginning of the summer. And sometimes they won't shut them off until they're done irrigating the whole crop if they don't get any rain in between because that's their source of their water. So you have that constant demand <clears throat> of that supply to these pivots. And then they still flood irrigate the corners or the edges or the smaller fields. So now we have to incorporate that five foot head like you spoke or whatever a, a flood head would be on top of all the sprinkler pivots that are continuously running all summer long mm. so you have increased the demand on your canals and your laterals and your whole system to keep all the sprinklers running and bring more water down to keep the floodwaters going on the sides mm. whereas before you didn't have the option to just constantly irrigate you couldn't just no. flood all summer it was right it would flood, flood your crops twice the summer that you know the canal system would be level we'd be flood irrigating for may and first half of june and then the canal system would drop off the demand wasn't there because people can't obviously keep the water going in a flood system. And then it would pick back up after hay season and the second irrigation on barley typically is what it is. Mm -hmm. Now that canal is full. As you guys see in the last 10, 15 years, it never drops because the demand has stayed steady mm. all the way through the summer. Mm. Interesting. So, so, we might, so as far as the farmer himself, 
might be more efficient, but it puts much more stress on the on the irrigation project and the infrastructure. infrastructure. Yeah. So to put it a little bit of perspective, Gibson Reservoir holds 103,000 acre feet of water, roughly somewhere in that nature. When I speak of acre feet, picture it in a one acre of your land, you get two acre feet of water for an assessment. So that's 24 inches deep on every acre of land you have. So Gibson Reservoir holds 300,000, or excuse me, 103,000 acre feet. We fill that roughly three times, maybe a little more. So a little over 300,000 acre feet to supply enough water to irrigate just this project in the summertime irrigation season. That's mm. about what it takes. Mm. Fill, roughly fill Gibson three times. So that's, you take 83,000 acres, you put two acre feet on it. You're only looking at 166,000 acre feet, roughly. Your efficiency is mm, half. Yeah, interesting. So think about where all that water's going. It's leaching out of ditches. It's running over here. Evaporation. Huh. It takes that much pressure just to push it down here. I mean, when it's 105 degrees and I got to push water down here, I'll lose over 100 to sometimes 200 CFS, cubic feet per second, to make my deliveries down here in the heat of the day. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and that's all stuff I didn't, I never, of course, yeah. so took like, any of that into it. So the max capacity out of Pishkin Reservoir is about 1650 to 1700 CFS. CFS is actually, to figure acre feet, basically times that by two. So say we have 1700 CFS coming out. If we ran that for 24 hours, you would have, what, 34 acre, or uh, yeah, 34 acre feet is what it would be. So it takes me 17. 100 acre feet or 1700 cfs to push the water down here by the time i get it here i've lost a third of that i deduct three to four maybe sometimes 500 cfs off that just for evaporation and saturation loss so we are irrigating more efficiently but overall we're much more inefficient the project okay you as farmers and landowners are much more efficient you guys are way more efficient the infrastructure isn't as efficient to keep up with the farming practices. So do we end up losing as, as a big hole, do we end up losing more water? Are we less efficient with our water as a whole being more efficient in our field? Yes and no. So yes, in the sense that we have to supply that demand all year long at peak levels, which means you're losing, losing water more yep. because the canal is always full. And you're seeing a lot more saturation in the banks, which it softens the banks, hmm. opens up the pores. You lose more water. Hmm. Years ago, it would dry down, peak back up. We have to keep that demand going because you guys yeah. want that water. I need an extra foot of water because I'm not getting across <laughs> my field, Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Where's that coming from? <laughs> right. Michigan Reservoir. Who's hmm. got to make that work? Well, the water master has to put it in the canal somewhere huh. to bring it down here to give to the ditch rider to give right. to you huh. it just trickles down line <laughs> and this is what i love is that how many of the farmers in this area got a lot of their pivots funded by that equipped government program yep. for conservation <laughs> which we're actually yeah. Yeah. we're actually being less efficient with our water as a whole the so, project didn't get any of that funding to but, increase but our efficiency this is this sounds exactly <laughs> like every everything that the government's ever got their hands in they come in and they provide a bunch of money for farmers to put in pivots which are not cheap so so the farmers are getting a hundred thousand dollar pivot essentially paid for yep by the taxpayer the government so they can be more efficient and conserve water yet we're actually burning through more water because 
our delivery system ends up becoming less efficient because the infrastructure is not Jeez. as efficient. We didn't. We haven't got any grants or funding to put. They should have split one. <laughs> one more. One more. It's kind of a quasi oh, moto, huh? Yeah. Very interesting, huh? I didn't know any of that. Great. Yeah. You know, all these cement ditches look great. Pipelines look great, but if you don't have any funding to keep it up, I mean, the the cement ditches that are here now were put in in what they call the R and B, the Rehabilitation Act, back in the late seventies, mid seventies, late early eighties. Well, they were a 20 year expectancy. Well, we're pushing, we're over 40 years now on some of those. Yeah. Those, mm. those in, you see these cement ditches crack and sloughing in, falling apart. And they just, yeah. They're just mm. deteriorating. Huh. So Dale started out as a ditch rider, just given us a small geographic area within the whole irrigation project. And then, you know, he works with just the farmers in that area. And then he, uh, you know, stayed with, with GID and long enough that he became what's called the water master. This sounds like we're playing a Dungeons and Dragons game <laughs> a little I bit. I wish that we could like put in some music right now. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the Watermaster. Yeah. But the Watermaster is in charge of all the water for the whole project now. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yeah, you are. I was responsible for everything that was released from Pishkin Reservoir. So from the time I turned it on, typically around Mother's Day, we're getting pretty close to that. I bring it down the canal that first week of water you're up i was up 24 7 for about three days in a row to make sure the water comes through gets through the ditches pushes all that trash that's been blown in through the winter people feeding cows along the canal <laughs> people with lick tubs laying in the canal all that stuff i've had washing machines in the canal <laughs> oh man you name it and it's got to go somewhere so where do we go downstream with it yes <laughs> ends up out in the ocean <laughs> where did, so is there a, is there one place where most of that hangs up that's uh, getting cleared out ahead of the a water? A lot of it goes down towards, I mean, eventually it goes like Muddy Creek in Missouri. It gets hung up on fences, culverts. I mean, I'm out. I was out all times of the day trying to keep stuff. Once I get it blown through, most of it's straw and debris, trees, branches, tumbleweeds. You know, you get the odd things here and there that you're like fertilizer truck tires. Those are a nasty one. Oh. <laughs> And and I know you get your fair share of carcasses. But hold on, yeah. before you get into that, <laughs> this is something I think Dale. It was uh, you told me this, or um, oh, I can't think of his name. Um, he retired a couple of years ago. That did all the a lot of the maintenance. Uh, Richard Schmidt. No. Uh, Bob Harden. No, he was Tom Takis. No, I would say within like two years he left, but he'd been there for a long time. Uh, Charlie Clement. Charlie. I don't oh know. yeah, he was watermaster previous <laughs> okay. to me. Couldn't think of his yep. name. He might have told me this, but. So, so with all these canals and sub canals everywhere, lots of culverts, yes. you know, going under railroad tracks, roads all over the place. And I was, I don't know if it was you or Charlie talking about carcasses that get hung up on a, in a culvert and said that you, it doesn't plug it as much as you think. Cause you get to a point where you get so much pressure behind it. It just blows the carcass apart. <laughs> no matter what, it gets <laughs> it just, it's just like a bullet coming out the other side of the culvert. Oh, Is that, it's so that's, very true. Really? Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. a tire is not going to do that. Like no. a, like a Tires carcass don't will deteriorate, but yeah. a carcass will just build up. A carcass starts out big, of course, because you got all the muscle and tissue and everything around it. And then it just deteriorates and kind of washes away. Yeah. <laughs> At oh. some point just gives, so it huh? gets smaller and smaller, you know, the rubber fertilizer truck tire just stays there. <laughs> <It> stays there. <laughs> oh, and uh -huh. so being the water master, I'm responsible for all eight ditch riders. Because there's eight ditch riders on the project, eight different divisions, roughly a little over 10,000 acres per division. So 
I'm my, starting to think I'm kind of wanting to relate this to like to Lord of the Rings where you were like Sauron and the ditch riders are like the the ring wraiths remember that would <laughs> that were going after the hobbits trying to get the ring you know on the horses that's kind of in a little way yeah, we all seen. gather in the morning and yeah. they get their orders and <laughs> if, you're, if you're really into nerdy stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess they could, <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about but we're gonna go with it no it's so perfect <laughs> just go with it because it is perfect <laughs> Yeah, some days, uh, like I said, I, I was out all wee hours, about a couple, three hours every time. I'd be out checking water somewhere, sleep mm. in the truck, just do what I did. Yeah, yeah, high pressure job. I mean, that is the lifeblood here. And uh, I enjoyed it, but I did get burned out. And hence the reason I'm not there anymore. Your, um, your summers are completely spoken for. Because that that's the farming season. Mm-hmm. I have worked every summer, seven days a week since 1996 yeah this is my first summer here coming to 20 2023 i won't have to work a weekend oh, because you left gid this this last year just a few months did. ago yep. Yep. just before okay. christmas right. and it's one of those jobs and one of those decisions that i don't think i would ever i would have stayed there forever if i wouldn't have just stopped and said hey dale you need to do something different so you had to kind of step back i did and look at it from the outside i did and i i just got married in february my wife was a wonderful woman she helped me influence with that a little a lot and got a grandkid now and i'm just ready to do what i want to do yeah yeah Yeah. well and and the other thing with gid too is it's not just managing the water it's managing all the infrastructure so yeah gid has a whole heavy equipment arm to it that's crew you know uh all the the big excavators um payloaders all those things to to manage these massive canals and and reservoirs so my favorite thing, and I could never talk Dale into it, is Dale is actually a neighbor just across the fence from us, and he's been cleaning up this property for the past couple of years. <laughs> and he, when he's able to work, he makes fast work of it because he's got a giant <laughs> payloader <laughs> cleaning out branches and cleaning. I'm out there with a, you know, a uh, maybe Skid a ten gear. horsepower um, <laughs> yeah. chipper shredder and and a, a small chainsaw. And Dale's got the the j- biggest backhoe you can buy and payloaders <laughs> drive, drives it over and I'm like Dale could you just reach over the fence and pull that stump out for me it's like, uh, I'm sorry if you don't work for GID I can't do nothing for you yeah <laughs> no but no I always uh I always look longingly at, at Dale and that big payloader yeah it's uh it's crazy the the maintenance that it takes to to keep up with 83,000 acres of project because people always look at the canals thinking, well, they just got these ditches here and there, but think about it in this perspective for every canal that water it's delivered out of, it goes across the field. It's got to go into some sort of a conveyance on the other end to get rid of it. Right. That's true. All the drain ditches. So every drain ditch pretty much parallels or matches the delivery canal. So all these culverts, you have culverts to deliver water. Now you got to have a culvert in the drain ditch to convey the water to the natural spring or the creek or the river or where it goes. Yeah, this, this, it's, I mean, I think, I think we take it for granted growing up here, but this area, you can't drive anywhere where there's just not canals and drain ditches and ditches everywhere. And I've always been amazed with the amount of ditches and culverts and water and canals that are everywhere that, that we have not had uh, an uh, epidemic of child drownings. Yes. Really? Seriously. Yeah. Like, and, and if you come and look at a lot of these situations, you just have big canals that are going under a road that are completely wide open, big whirlpool, 
Yeah. Is going, or like the drop up by the cemetery? Absolutely. You, it's just wide open. But yeah. it, but <laughs> it's the, big drop. everyone have grown up with this for they know almost a hundred years basically. And that's what I was gonna say. All of us born and raised here, living here, growing up familiar with it from the day we stepped out of our mom and dad's stroller we're like oh what is that and they give us the lowdown right then and there you will not touch that <laughs> yeah it was it was i serious. mean we all know and that was those are the rules that we are implemented in our mind that we will i mean they tell us oh don't go don't go play with that and five minutes later we go and mess with it but we know the tone of our parents voice those are the ones that yeah they mean that we're better not go up there oh uh, i know <laughs> i know? gotta i gotta share this and i i may have shared this possibly way in the early days but this will make sense now since you're a ditch rider <laughs> I was probably in third grade and uh, went for a bike ride with, with uh, Seth Harrell. <laughs> you know, the Harrell yep. boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we go past their house up above Shank's house and there's that bridge there. And so we're on our bikes and I'm, I'm always uneasy. The drop up, up above the feedlot scared me to death oh, when yeah. I was young. I didn't want it. You could hear it just roaring all. It rumbles. Summer. So let's, let's before you talk, talk about the what the drop is. is. So there's an, an area close to the cemetery in Fairfield where the canal, the main canal, which is a dirt canal, is higher. Basically, it's been running on a plateau, and then when it gets to the project, it has to make a huge elevation drop. It changes then, benches, basically. Yeah, it changes it does. benches. And so it goes from dirt canal up on the plateau, Jackson talked about, to what's called the bench, which is a lower kind of a plateau, and the drop is a... Cement chute. How, yeah. how long you think it is? 60, one, 70 yards? Uh, Maybe not quite that long. Maybe I want to say that one's about 150 feet. So that'd be pretty close. So it is a, all this huge canal, it's all this almost water. Like, think of it like a half pipe, like a snowboarding half pipe. You yes. see, it's almost like that, but it's made out of cement as and it, it comes so down. So it's, it's, it's fairly gradual, but when the water gets in there, it goes fast because it's all this pressure from the canal gets into this cement chute and it's fairly gradual. Then the end, it just is a, it's almost a 90 degree rounded drop mm -hmm. into a, into a big cement box where the water just swirls. And we're talking a box. Like you could park like six pickup trucks down on the bottom of yes. it. Like it's a big old. And then, and then box. it flows out of there and back into the, yeah, it gets um, all quiet again afterwards into the dirt, the dirt canal. But this drop has been here forever. Yep. And, and it, when, when you, if you, when I go back and look at it now, it is it's scary and like if sometimes you'll see like a like a log or something that's come down in it and it can't get out it of just, that box no. like for for weeks and weeks it'll just sit there it and you're like still basin. down in so in if that. you if you as a human got in there it's just this probably the most massive undertow you could yeah, imagine it's just this dead you, you couldn't get out of it I, it makes whitewater rafting like going to get an ice cream cone yeah, seriously I, mean, like, I don't think you'd ever is, get out of it this is just wide open yeah. it's been wide it's open forever off. it's just there's a little bridge that goes right over and then, then the bridge goes right over it so off one side of the bridge you fall into the half pipe chute if you jump off the other side of the bridge you're dropping you're jumping into the box yeah no and then you can see, i don't know if you guys see it in the off season there's those big square yeah big those are energy dissipators is what those okay. are called to dissipate uh -huh. that energy from that water creating huh. that turbulence Otherwise, it would just keep eroding and eroding and make a huge basin down there. Yeah, interesting. So that's what those are. All right. So energies. that's so when we're talking about the drop, the drop, yep. the drop. Everyone knows what the and drop so is. So the drop is is a half mile up above up the road from our feedlot where we grew up. So it was kind of a part of our lives because it was so close. The, and the other thing too, it's you, you when you um in the summer you can go by there 
and that water is so violent. There's always like a mist in the air. Right yeah. when you ride a bike right through there, it always you hit this it's little patch cool of humidity and coolness. And it's, it really smells like ozone because of all that energy. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's quite a, it's quite a, it's, it's something it's, to behold. It's just like an awesome thing. <laughs> anyway, so you're down, you're down the canal so about we're, a, we're down a, a mile. Yeah, a mile or so down the canal. And then there's no more drops or nothing, but there's all the country bridges that cross this. They're not paved. They're just wooden bridges with little, they're just kind of there just so you can see. They're not even there to hold you on the bridge. They're just there so you can see the edge. It's just a visual a, marker. A, yeah. a quarter inch cable that's maybe yeah. eight yeah, exactly. or 10 inches up. Yeah. Off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a guardrail. <laughs> What it is, what it is, is if you go to run and jump off the bridge, it's the perfect height that you're always going to trip on. <laughs> Make sure you go in head first. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is all the high school kids all the time. They go jumping off the bridges, you know, it was just what they did. Well, as third graders, I have, I have a fear of the canal. Like I have a healthy fear of it. Like you just don't you just stay away. Well, Seth wants to go up to the bridge and I'm like, ah, uh, so we're on our bikes and we go up there and I'm just like, oh, okay, here's the water. Should we go back? And he, go, he takes his bike and he goes and starts pushing his front tire against the bridge, the upstream side of the bridge, the west side of it. And he's just bumping his bike there as we're talking. He's like, man, that's, he's like, what if I, can you imagine if like, I just, and as he says, can you imagine if I went over, <laughs> he flips his bike over third graders, flips his bike over the bridge splashes down into the water and just vanishes because he's on the upstream side of it. And I'm like, Ugh. there's one of those that young. I'm like, what? Oh, he's just, uh. and then I realized like, Oh, I got to run to the other side of the bridge because he should pop out under the other side. Right. Yeah. Well, sure enough, his little head pops up and he's like, Oh, I'm okay. I think. And he starts beelining straight for a head gate. That's oh, right off that one. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, stay away from the head gate. You can't go. And he he wouldn't listen. He goes right over next to it and, and and crawled out and was fine. Of course, he's soaking wet. And he's like, we can never tell anyone <laughs> ever about this. It's like our death secret. And I'm like, okay, I never will tell anyone. And I never did until right now. Till till now that yeah. I'm publicly saying this. But like in junior high, once I was like, hey, remember that time? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I still haven't told anyone. <laughs> He's like, oh, I told my mom when I got home. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> He's like, well, when I got home, I realized how am I going to explain that I lost my bike? Because his bike's gone, you know? Yeah. Sure enough, once the canal dried up, there was his yeah, bike. His bike the <laughs> it's amazing what you find in the fall, the end of the season. Stuff in the water. Fits. Yeah. How funny. Years and years. <laughs> well, so, uh, so Dale, you... All this heavy equipment being moved around with JD, you know, semis moving that is some is is that the kind of the point that you got your CDL? No, I actually really? got it clear back right out of high school. I was driving truck in high school, like all of us do, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Can't even touch the pedals and that kind of thing. But uh, doing farm farm work and farm whatnot work around. and whatnot, and I kind of grew up. I was, you know, all my friends. Oh yeah, we're going to be truck drivers. Our dads have milk trucks, and we're going to drive in this. And I was. I want to be a f- professional football player, to be honest with you. When I was a kid growing up, that uh-huh. was my forte. I was going to go play for the Steelers. Okay. <laughs> you know? You know. Yep. Good to have a backup plan. Yeah. I was going to play Thank for the Broncos. Goodness. Yeah. So, you know. so, long story short, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> Did I'm like not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, uh, uh, a few minutes back, there was a name that I mentioned, uh, Bobby Gardner. And we're going to, at some point, need to get Bob, Bob on here. Yes. Um, Bob has a trucking company here in, in Fairfield. And he's, he's been in Fairfield 
His dad drove truck. Oh, so he's for Oakley Brothers. Okay, so that's what, his connection here. Yes, Tom. But, Tom was his dad. I always wondered. Yeah, so Tom we'll get Bob on here sometimes. Um, Bob is who taught me, and I want to get into that because I, I, you have a story that I think we need to talk <laughs> about that made me laugh. So Bob must have had a good eye for the young up and comers because I, kinda, I remember he, I went to school with Bob. He was a senior when I was a freshman, kind of type. Oh, thing. Okay, so he went to school here in Fairfield. Yeah, he graduated from here. Yes, correct. Okay, so so Bob has property actually right next to our feedlot man bob just for everybody bob runs hoppers he runs hopper yes. trailers and primarily but a lot of liquid yeah he's, he's, branched just, into, he's just got into the liquid for yeah, okay crap. so bob is i think he probably would be com- classified as ocd 100 percent ocd has to be but, isn't he yes but okay. i'm gonna say it, it's one that's <laughs> very it's, visually appealing because his his shops and his properties and his trucks are meticulous yes i mean clean sparkling his 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 just his shop properties i mean i i, I don't think he does but i kind of feel like at night he's out there with a rake raking his gravel <laughs> like and his lawn so everything's just like zen like it's like a, like a like japanese a zen, zen garden, garden. <laughs> um but I, I i exaggerate there but he i mean everything is just beautiful shape he takes super good care of everything um and so Dale's going to talk about <laughs> his first, his really your first trucking my, my, experience, my first over the road trucking experience, which was for Bob. Was for and, Bobby, and so huh? you have to huh. listen to this story with the idea that take the most extreme clean, clean <laughs> cleanliness person you yeah. know, like no shoes, like you take your shoes off on the step of the truck, you wear socks while you drive, type and, of, and then clean, and then multiply it by a, a magnitude <laughs> of three or four, and and we're getting into Bob's realm. So. so it put this into perspective. Bob's trucks have the floorboard and then they might have carpet and then they have a floor mat. And then there's usually a saddle blanket or a bath towel or something on top of that. And then there's your socks or your bare feet <laughs> and your shoes sit over on the passenger side or in the sleeper box. So, Many layers of separation. Yeah, exactly. Right, so and this towels all the way back to the sleeper. So this is, this is <laughs> keep that in mind as Dale so this guy's clear back in 92 i had just graduated and i don't know if you guys remember shane green yeah okay him and i were in the same grade so shane green and bobby garner are cousins shane green grew up graduated high school i'm gonna go drive truck for my cousin bob end of the story well bob had three trucks and we were back in the day it was a big thing like bill talked about hauling wheat to lewiston idaho right that was a big deal yeah right back in 92 I was green, you know, I've driven grain truck around the Fairfield bench like you guys had forever. That's Hold on, let me, what you did. This road that we're talking about to Lewiston, Idaho <laughs> continues to make appearances in this podcast. <laughs> yes. For good reason. It's a hundred miles of corners. It, it, I've driven yeah. it, it in just a, a pickup truck pulling like a horse trailer. It's an unbelievable road. It's unbelievably beautiful, but it is, it's like 35 miles per hour for a hundred miles because it is through the mountains on just the most windy yeah and usually the more beautiful and scenic a route is for in a vehicle people are like oh it's amazing in a semi it just multiplies the opposite direction yes. like no 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 okay so bill pearson billy jack when he was on was talking about this road and this is the road that dale's talking <laughs> this is where about dale's gonna learn how to be a trucker <laughs> oh no <laughs> so we all saddle up we're you know we're driving these beautiful peats bob inherited and whatnot and uh because one of them was his dad's truck original truck and it was actually a kenworth was it his first truck was a kenworth huh. if you guys all know bob he's a peterbilt fan. yeah all so anyway 
I don't remember which truck I was in, but it was shiny. I was like, oh, oh yeah. you're, just, <laughs> you're just seeing stars. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. and it, we left Fairfield. It was like 10 o'clock at night or something. It was late. It was dark. So I knew it was going to be a long night. Well, back in the day, we were stopped at the town pump in Bonner. And that's when the Arby's used to be in the town pump at Bonner. Right? Oh, I remember it. Track me. We yeah. stop after track. You know? and, yep. and mm-hmm. This town pump is made an appearance in this uh, uh, yes. podcast. Oh, yes. Yes. It's, it's the one at Bonner. So Bonner yeah. is, is coming over from Rogers Pass. Highway through, 200. Through Lincoln. And it's, it's right before you get on the interstate that takes you into Missoula. Yes. 200 hits I-90 right at Missoula. It's Just the Montana Audubon. Missoula. Like I call the Bonner to Missoula stretch. It's like the Audubon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a 65 right. mile an hour zone, but it's the Montana it's Audubon. Yeah, it is all out. You're right. <laughs> and it is um this town pump in Bonner will never disappoint you. No. <laughs> as far as the, the characters and the strange things that you see there. So... This has always been like this. It used to have an Arby's in it. Yes, it's, correct. It's, the, it's because it's the middle ground between Missoula's kind of full of all the, it used to be, you know, kind of granola type. Now it's just like pure, like ooh, kind of, <laughs> kind of pretty dirty and ooh, kind of Portlandish feeling. So you have that, that type of group of people. And then on the other side, you have the real hokey logger. It's the transition truck it's stop. This, it's this in-between zone. It's like no man's <laughs> land. You're like, who really is supposed to be here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we pull up. We all fuel up our trucks. And we all, Bob's, you know, giving us the lowdown. You know, we're both green. Shane Green and myself. <laughs> <laughs> and we all go in and get a bite to eat. And my infinite wisdom, I get myself a Arby's beef and cheddar, right? When you got it, you're on the I road mean, first time, freedom on the it. highway. Oh, yeah. Back in the saddle, we're cruising into Missoula, middle of the night. We hit Reserve Street. And back then, Reserve Street was nothing compared to what it is Yeah, now. it's a mess now, isn't it? Well, we start shifting gears, and we're changing lights, and I'm trying to find my way. I've never been there. I don't even know where I'm going. Just keep up with me, he says. And these are 13 speeds, you remember? Or were they 15s? Uh, they were 15s and 18s. I think mine was a 15. Had the old horseshoe pattern. Yeah, the back you know? Yep, yeah. yep, yep. <laughs> and so we're bebopping through Missoula, and I'm thinking it's time to tear into this beef and cheddar, right? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. And we're pulling doubles, by the way. Okay. These were the big one, little ones. The old skid pups in the back. Okay. They call them A-trains. Yep. Hundred and some thousand. So you pounds. got like a forty foot lead trailer yep. with a twenty eight foot. Oh no, they were even that. I want to say they were like forty four foot leads with like a oh. thirty foot pup or a twenty eight oh. foot pup. So they were the short big. pups. Yeah, okay. and but overall, do you remember the ones where they don't have the turntables on them? They're the old skid steer pups. No, they yeah. didn't have a turntable. No, no. Matter of <laughs> fact, uh, <laughs> the, the Wallace guy has one still. Still over by the school. Yes, over there? that white. The white. So these are old. Times. These are old time. The old. The front axles on the old. It pups just skids around the corner. Literally. So you could back them up, probably. That's you, you probably could, why they... but yeah, they were old skid steer okay. ones. Wow. <laughs> okay, we'll have to we'll have to uh, take your your phone over there and video this <laughs> one that he's talking about here in town. No. So, so we're we're cruising down through there, and we're just about to pop out the other side of Missoula, and I'm thinking I got to catch up to these guys because I'm kind of lagging back, trying to keep control of my truck and my beef and cheddar. Yeah. Well, it got out of control. Jackson, have you ever had a beef and cheddar in yeah. Arby's? Yeah, yeah. Usually the first thing is that the cheese the cheese starts dripping out. I've eaten bingo. a lot of I've eaten a lot of beef and cheddars. <laughs> I, I, He's like bingo. Out of the many I've eaten in my life, I don't think there's ever been one that I've contained to the bun or even the package or even my hands. I have always said that the advertisement should be guaranteed to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those foods that as a bearded fellow you, you just cross it off the check you're yeah. like sorry I, maybe when I shave someday I'll come exactly. back but I'm well, in no way I'm doing it 
I will say this. I think I can see where Dale's story is going. <laughs> did Bobby know that you bought this? Did he? He, was you there. Kinda, he saw you. Oh buy yeah, it. we were all there. I wonder what he was thinking when he, he was never said like, a word. Huh. <laughs> I wonder if he's ever had a beef and cheddar. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe he doesn't know what's what the potential. He maybe is. doesn't allow himself to eat that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go carry on, Dale. So we're, I think it's Highway 93 is where you turn on to to head down into Lolo. Yeah. I've kind of got everything all gathered up. We're pretty good. And I'm looking down and I have got the beef and cheddar cheese down the front of me. So I'm trying to wipe it off. I look up. Here comes another stoplight. So I grab the gear shift. Now we're talking cheese on the gear shift. (laughs) Cheese on me. (laughs) The only thing that doesn't have cheese is the steering wheel at this point. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we get her shut down. Everything's good. I'm wiping stuff up. It's dark. You can't really see. You flip on the cargo light. Man, there's more cheese on these things not, than I thought. You're not really wiping it. You're just kind of smearing it around. Like, you are. You're like thinning it out. You're just like, that stuff's like wax. Thin it sticks out. to everything. You thought you thought you'd ordered a beef and cheddar, but you realize it's tasting oh, just like a beef. Because <laughs> the cheese is gone somewhere. And then you're tense, so you squeeze it a little harder. It's like toothpaste coming out the wrong end. <laughs> So, oh, we get to Lolo. <laughs> you think we could stop? No, we got to get this week going. Yeah, we're behind. So I didn't even finish my sandwich. I kind of wadded it up, put it in the package, kind of cleaned up best I could. And Bob's calling it at me on the radio. We're over the pass by this time and we're heading down through the corners. And Bob's like, you doing all right back? There? Oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. Just yeah. trying to yeah. clean your truck Tr- up. Truck is real clean, Bob. Uh, just. <laughs> I got my shoes on. Nothing yeah. to worry about, Bob. We're clear, I mean, man. I have got cheese on toggle switches and it's on the steering wheel by now because it's like squeezed in between your fingers, you know, and you drive your fingers oh, around the steering wheel and you're trying to hit the and splitter I, I, on the gear shift. I think, I think this is the, this is like a hidden secret no one ever knew, but I think the best response is to just don't touch it. Just leave it all. Yeah. Wherever it is, just leave it there. Let it dry and kind of crust overnight. Leave it on your shirt. I don't think beef and cheddar's ever solid up. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's like, it's those, like cheese wigs. There's probably a YouTube video of it where someone put it somewhere like 10 like years 10 ago and years comes later. back and they can still spread it. I mean, that stuff is like archaic. <laughs> so we're proceeding down the, the river, you know, and I was the last truck. I don't know. That was whatever. And I keep seeing these sparks coming out from the side of Bob's truck. Well, when he called at me on the radio, he said, we're going to kick it up a notch because it's one or two in the morning at this point and there's nobody on the road. So just keep up, do your best. Great. It's foggy. It's raining now. And we're going down the lock saw with beef and cheddar dripping. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. And I see spark coming out from his truck. Well, you know, concerned citizen, you know, well, hey, Bob, what, what's going on with your truck? I see some sparks coming out. He says, oh, just keep up with me. So we get to Lewistown finally, or Lewiston. And now uh, we roll in there and it was the neatest thing I'd ever seen. You know, it has the trucks that they anchor on and they lift oh, them up and dump them out the, the back. That's a whole other things? story. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. It's, it's uh-uh. make sure you get your dash cleared off. That? <laughs> <laughs> You're like hoping you might lose a little beef and cheddar. But anyway, yeah, we're, we're there and I get out of the truck and I asked Bob, I said, uh, is your everything okay? You know, good to go. I saw some sparks. Well, he says, yeah, yeah, you're, we're good. You did pretty well. I said, oh, good, good. I passed the test, right? I said, well, tell me about these sparks. He said, well, we were doing about 70 down the river, you know, and those are just my mud flap weights hitting off the pavement, causing sparks off the pavement. Because he was leaning. Because so he was leaning so hard, hogging these into the corners. He said, I was just trying to test you out, making sure you could maybe be a truck driver or not. He's like, but Bob. 
the flip side of that is that I'd wreck into the river, man. <laughs> I didn't. And to this day, I don't think he ever knew the explosion of cheese in the front of his truck. Also, he might, maybe Bob's not a listener yet. It still this may could be a one of those stories. This is that, like you the know, bike in the canal, right? <laughs> That's kind of where I was tying this you know, together. I offered my story, and now <laughs> here you are offering yours out. Oh, that's just so. I mean, <laughs> I thought you know this is going to be perfect. <laughs> oh, if this oh. would have been like Dad's old cab over uh, yeah, livestock collar. You, yeah. you wouldn't have dropped a there would not have been a drop of yeah. cheese that fell because that would never happen in a dirty old truck. <laughs> and, and, and the moral of the story is. I am exactly the same way in my truck. Are you? I drive with no shoes. That, I have the floor. I have the floor mat. Oh. I have a piece, a little piece of carpet that I cut to fit the floor mat, and I drive in socks. Oh. And train him up in the way he should be. Huh? And yeah. uh, my my new wife, um, she jumped in the truck to go with me on the first trip one time. We stopped at the truck stop, and she grabs a bag of white powdered sugar donuts. Ooh. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "Oh, you actually you?" Oh. I said, "No powdered sugar Ooh. donuts in my <laughs> So did she put them back, or she eat them before she got in? She put them back. She put them back. She wasn't going to sit there in the parking <laughs> so lot. So it's been an ongoing. See, this is this age. It's this age of trucker, especially because because Chris that I truck with with NASCAR, trucker Chris the other day, and he did it in such a nice way. He was so good about it. <laughs> He's like, hey, old, uh, this is, uh, I think it's our second trip out now. He's like, hey, uh, Jack's old old trick my dad taught me. Uh, take your shoes off and the floorboard in the front seat, you know, because the truck stops. They got a lot of goo on the ground, you know, and none of that'll go back in this bunk. And I'm like, did he also? Oh, I'm so sorry, Chris. <laughs> like, you were so nice. You should have told me like day one, like, dude, take your shoes off. Don't call in the bunk. So <laughs> what, how far in, how long have you been trucking with him before he finally said this? A full trip. We did oh, one man. full trip. We went to Fontana. Well, then I guess it was out to Fontana and then I flew home. So, so he's was, just been trying to drive, but he's so distracted sure. looking at your shoes. <laughs> I'm sure just looking at shoes. You know, <laughs> finally. Because he's used to, you look over and you see your co-driver's shoes on the floorboard, just a reassuring, like, oh, there they are. But knowing that whole night, I've zipped my shoes in the sleeper with me back there somewhere. And he's probably just like, ah, oh, man. Just, <laughs> nah, nah, bless his heart. <laughs> Chris is great. So that's going great with Chris. Here's an way, old, but, here's an old trick. My dad taught me, <laughs> take your shoes off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't track oil in the sleeper. I'm like, <laughs> and he's so nice. I was like, Chris, no, thank you. No, you, need, you said, Chris, you need to haul some hogs. <laughs> You'll realize that it doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter what's on your shoes. Oh, that that's was all over the rest. Old, of that was old Bill Pearson was that yeah. way. Old, old Billy Jack. He, I mean, you'd load pogs. You got, you got manure on your pants. Whatever. <laughs> he crawl back there in the bunk and you, <laughs> whatever. It'll get cleaned out once a year when Jackson comes and trucks and whatever, man. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm probably that's when you said the OCD. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> oh, so you, so you got a little, got a little bit of that. My semi is it's a, it's gets a Peter, better care. Yeah, it's a it's a Peterbilt. It's an 07, 379, yeah. the flat top. It's a Peterbilt. These these Peterbilt guys, they get really, really serious. My my folks, well, my dad nicknamed the truck Chromie because it's always <laughs> washed and shiny and clean. He goes, it's Chromie, and it's got a hundred and he counted the lights one day when I had the cattle pot hooked up because it's got lights galore. Oh. It's your typical. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're running out of time, but we're going to get you on again, Dale, to talk about how you're, you're kind of your transition from GID to where you're, you're doing a, a lot more trucking now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah I want to know more about Dale's hauling cows too. Um, you know, and so yeah. we want to talk more about that. Um, 
But I, this is something that I've meant to ask you for a long time because Dale and I will talk over the fence once in a while. Yeah. You know, when we're we're passing, we'll see each other over the fence and, and catch up. But like I said, Dale, he has a property right next to us that he's been. There was some, a bunch of old cottonwoods on it. You know, an old house. Oh yeah, the old house. Yeah. So he's he's been cleaning this up and he's he's getting the place looking real good. But I've noticed right right across the street from from the edge of his property is a church that's had quite a bit of growth over the years and they do not they have don't have the parking for the congregation and i'd noticed that on sundays there were a lot of vehicles that were haphazardly on just kind of parked on on his oh, property kind of pressing their up. way into your oh, yeah. yard not not pressing in in it they're in they it. were in it full on and uh one one day i heard there i think it was the biggest excavator <laughs> that uh gid had and a huge payloader you know i can hear it from the house beep beep while they're backing up and i went over there and there were a couple monster pieces of concrete with no trespassing signs that have been settled <laughs> along the road there and i can only think that's to discourage the church parking am i correct in that assessment yes it's to designate my entrance and exit of my truck atmosphere coming through well, my driveway you make the circle drive through yeah, yeah. But, i just so don't you... want them to get in the way of my truck when i <laughs> enter and exit so i'm trying to be yeah. proactively safe and you know they're over there every sunday please bless that he will soften his heart someday <laughs> to let us park in his yard again. Oh, i am no I, I, I did get a kick out of that but one day i came over drove along there and noticed some big old big old concrete <laughs> bumpers along the road there with big and there's like a six foot patch of grass a strip along the highway between my hopper trailers and the highway and i fertilize it because i get this free fertilizer in my cattle trailer all the time <laughs> <laughs> and it's got this aroma yeah when it's really uh, i mean feedlot fat cattle oh, aroma yeah jackson knows what yeah, i'm talking so, about yep and he just came back from Toppenish, and it's fresh and there's a nice little slope there to where it drains to the same direction as my trap and it just, I can open the trap and pull along that whole strip and fertilize it in one pass. And it's just beautiful. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. Had a boy. Had a boy. Wait, <laughs> got no shame, man. Dale, I think you ought to rethink that and um, just start charging for parking. Right? Probably pay for a shop for you over there. I'm sure you have plans for a shop over there. I do. Someday. Just, yeah, just charge for it. Yeah. A chopper, I'm kind of thinking those... Uh, Storage units look like the happening thing nowadays. Well, they're going up everywhere. Yeah, One-time investment and you're done and the rest is income. Yeah. 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 And yeah. one day you find a body. Yeah, it? no, I'd love to be <laughs> back on back on here. And yeah, you have to come back because as we were chatting, getting ready to go into this too, we mentioned the NASCAR thing and you've got some you <laughs> got, got some racing connections and some things. So I've got a lot of racing background heritage. My dad used to be a race car driver in Great Falls and I grew up at the Speedway. Okay. So yeah, we got it. We have to get into that a little bit too next time. Some yeah. Some NASCAR this, um, races. But yeah, this yeah. W- we've been going over an hour, Dad. You probably didn't realize it's gone. It goes fast, don't it? It does. It does go so, fast. So um, We'll get you back on to, Absolutely. to talk more about kind of your progression more into the, yeah. the trucking, which is kind of our thrust, which we hardly touched on, but we need to get some background with you. Jack and I are looking forward to some warm weather trucking because I'm tired of winter. Yeah, man. <laughs> Never comes soon enough. Especially you're running the top initial lot. I go, I didn't make a single run out east of Billings this year. Oh, that, cattle. that running west from here is a, <laughs> it is a treasured we little go to journey going Mattel, over uh, We go to Woodland. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Woodland, but it's 20 some miles north of Portland. There's a packing plant out no. there. I didn't haul a single load of calves this fall. All fats. All fats wow. and feeders and cold cows. Huh. 
Just going west. <laughs> oh. Uh, one of my worst winters of trucking was when I was pulling FedEx trailers west, and it was, and that's your route you go over. That was, uh, that yep. was two, two winters we'll ago. Talk about Do you remember it. how horrible it oh, was yeah. two years I ago? I was doing it then. I've, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, good. Yeah, we got a lot of good stuff to go over. Oh, with yeah. You, for sure. Well, good, Dale. Well, thanks for coming in. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Listeners, I, I think you'll... From the Sand Family Tree. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. Beef yeah. and cheddar to bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Beef and Cheddar himself. All right. Well, with that, you guys, thanks for listening. <laughs>